Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, well, I can't be too bright because why would you be? Last 10 days has been horrific. Dean, uh, Dean Woods, you knew, uh, John Landy, Rod Marsh, Shane Warne. It is with a heavy heart that we're here this morning, Leon. You're dead right. You know, you could knock me a bomb out with a feather when I heard of the news of Shane and in uh, you know, the, other, the other morning. And uh, you're right, it's been a horror, horror day for Australia and in sport in particular. Dean Woods, of course, an Olympic gold medalist at 18. You know, Wangaratta boy, not far from me at Myrtleford. The great John Landy is the, is the epitome of decency and civility was John Landy. Uh, and you saw it in a more palpable sense when he helped Ron Clark up at a critical stage of a race. Who would do that? I don't know. And, of course, the great Rod Marsh we've spoken about and Shane Warne, well, you know, is there a more flawed diamond and a greater guy that uh, is almost, well, he's royalty, there's no doubt about that, just an outstanding guy in every facet of the word. RIP the four of them, and Dean Jones, for the, uh, Dean Woods, uh, for those that don't know, gold medalist at the age of 18 uh, in cycling, uh, silver medal at the next Olympics and uh, superstar, he won everything and um, um, just a very quiet bloke, he came to a few of our Olympians dinners and uh, I met him but I don't know him uh, 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 and Johnny Tavaro had him on uh, the cycling show, what's it called? Detour Podcast Detour Podcast Detour Podcast, mm. that's worth listening to folks too yeah. looking for a podcaster while some uh, spare time away and they did a very nice tribute to um, to Dean, jo- uh, Dean Woods. I keep Dean, calling yeah, Dean, Dean Woods, yeah. Uh, I listened to yesterday, Leon, ironically enough, Macca around Australia, you know, yeah, Sunday yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah. It's, Sunday just a, morning it's an institution. And he just so happened to be uh, interviewing a guy that knew Dean Woods very well. And I listened to him for five minutes. And just as an aside, the irony of what we're discussing now, you know, we're focusing on some of the truly great Australians through their achievements, through sporting prowess. But there are so many other truly great Australians that are suffering. I've just come back from northern New South Wales and Brisbane uh, as a Sunshine Coast, where you don't need me to elaborate, just uh, how precarious and, uh, oh. and how stark the, the situation is there. You know, cities underwater, families just absolutely ruined, lost everything, uh, and, and deaths occurring at, you know, I think there's about 14, I think it was the latest count, which, you know, when we focus on something like this, not that it pales in insignificance, but, you know, we don't seem to focus on, you know, equally is uh, an important passing away or a tragic situation. No. And it was just, you know, you couldn't believe some of the sights that I saw. You know, towns underwater, you know, and houses adrift. There's a crane floating down the Brisbane River, a whole crane. It's just, it just beyond comprehension. Feathers and all. Uh, yeah, that's a good critical clue, the crane. That's not that sort of bird, Leon. I know. Yeah, I know I'm a migrant son, but I'm reasonably well educated. You know that. <laughs> but it is. It's a shocking week, and and of course, from our own perspective, you know, in recent times, we lost the great Albert Mantello. We lost yeah. the great Graham Arthur. You know, great Hawthorne. Uh, oh, the Captain. Van Sand Club. Of Van Sand Club been uh, decimated in the last uh, uh, yeah. eighteen months, two years, and so if there's a prominent Australian out there with some form of uh, sporting prowess, please give us a call. We need to uh, sort of build up our ranks again. <laughs> Recruiting. I think we. I think the youngest members. Uh, me at about 75. Now, you mentioned... <laughs> you, you're not. I know exactly how old you are. In fact, we'll uh, we'll find out further about that on Friday. Now, um, 
you talked about being a migrant son. We're, uh, reading your background of our guest today, oh. I was amazed where he's from, and he's a famous Australian called Archie Thompson. Uh, no better soccer player ever, record breaker, the whole shooting match, and uh, an old mate of yours, and we welcome you into sporting life. Archie, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. I'll just quickly say, I'm glad you said that, Sammy, about, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that's going on in the world, especially up north, because uh, sometimes that gets overshadowed a little bit from, um, you know, the the deaths of uh, maybe sporting heroes and stuff like that. I'm sure they're up there going, you know what, don't focus on us. All that energy while you're alive, let's be doing it... uh, you know, for those that are suffering up in North Queensland and because it's really, really horrific. So I'm glad that you said that. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Beautifully spoken, Archie. Uh, and, you know, they've been patronising. He's a superstar bloke, this bloke. Well, Great Australian, laconic, laid-back, but so, so amenable and so generous in his own time. And a great soccer player, as you rightfully alluded to. Uh, over 50 games for Australia. Uh, of course, made his name with uh, Melbourne Victory. Uh, he was there for over 10 years. Um, and played all over the world. We'll, we'll talk uh, to him about that. Holland, too. he played in Belgium. And kicked 13 goals against Collingwood, I think, wasn't it, Archie? <laughs> <laughs> How can you kick 13 goals in a game of soccer? It's not possible. Well, mate, if you actually saw the opposition that we played against, uh, I'm sure, mate, you could have even had a, a handful. But, look, uh, not many people can honestly say that they're in the Guinness Book of Records, especially when it comes to football, because we know how many bloody superstars there are out there and over the years. And, uh, you know, they have my little name written there. I mean, it, it gets smaller and smaller in print when you look at the record <laughs> every year. I mean, I, I, it was funny because someone actually showed me the Guinness Book of Records back in 2002 when I sort of, when I just sort of made that record and I had this big picture and, uh, you know, I had a whole page to myself. And then as the years go on, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're lucky to kind of see where my name yeah. is. But just a passing reference. <laughs> yeah. oh, stop being humble. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it was amazing. Look, um, I've, I've been pretty blessed to be part of um, some pretty amazing teams in, in the in the football world. And you know, we always talk about the golden generation. Um, I, I was I was glad to be there and play with some pretty incredible players. So and people too. Now, Leon focused earlier, and I let him go through it because he's very good at the family tree. He's done his own family tree, which is pretty convoluted too when you come from Dusseldorf and Stuttgart and, you know, back in Munich, you know, 42. There's not much. He had to do it very early because the remnants of it, there's aren't, aren't many few. There's still a few ro- There's a few, still a few blocks intact, I think, that they didn't quite he's get to do. He's a shocker. You'll get your turn, Archie. Don't worry. Archie, I, I, I was talking to Sam about it before. Uh, looking some records up about you, uh, your your immediate family are interesting. Uh, uh, I always thought you were Aboriginal boy, but um, you're obviously a f- father was New Zealander and your mother was a Papua New Guinean. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, well, tell us the story about that. Well, mate, um, look, m- mum was obviously from Papua New Guinea, a small island, KBN, um, and my dad uh, moved over there to work in the mines. So um, that's how they met. And then uh, they moved from there to New Zealand where they had me. And um, then I've sort of came to Australia pretty much when I was five weeks old. So you could almost say that, well, I am Australian because I've grown up mostly here. Look, there's a a bit of that connection. It still goes back when the All Blacks 
all blacks play but as far as any other sporting team to support they're pretty average so for me it was uh, you know that's where I kind of go back to the link of that lineage of, of uh, New Zealand but man um, I haven't been back to Papua New Guinea that's one place that I'd love to go but funny enough because my mum left when she was quite young um she lost all contact with her family um, being so remote um, but then uh, through football here in Australia they saw that uh, you know this young bloke Archie Thompson coming through the ranks started getting a bit of a, a profile in the football world um, they sort of put two and two together and that's how my family got reunited back with her family um, which you know I, I was so sad that I missed because my my brothers and sisters that went with her said it was one of those moments where um, you know, they went to the island they were coming over the hill to where the village was and then the, you know her family had seen my mom come down and this this whole howling you know that howling of just uh, you know all this raw emotion hadn't been hadn't seen her or lost connection over thirty years. Um, was, uh, you know, all in one. Overwhelming, like, yeah. So, so, uh, so bad. Like, I felt so bad because I was stuck playing football that I missed those opportunities. But, you know, I'd love to get back there. But, that, I mean, that's a beautiful, another beautiful story that I've had with my time playing football. I mean, it's had its ups and downs. But um, when you can connect things like that through sport, it's, it's bloody beautiful. Just uh, last thing on that, and we'll get on to the footy side of it. Uh, what was your mum's name, her, her surname? Oh, um... Man, now you put me on the spot. Oh, no, no, it'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a long one, I guess. Nudeman. But then, yeah, Nudeman, that's it. Esther Nudeman Thompson. But then, even but even then, um, she only found out later uh, through, that her dad was not from Papua New Guinea. He was someone from the Solomon Islands that had, that had kind of uh, gone to Papua New Guinea because of the war. Um, so look, there's a, there's a lot of different connections all over the place. So it's uh, I'm pretty much like you, mate. I'm a roughie. No, I don't even know where I where I start, where I begin, where right. I begin, where I end. Right, you didn't know your mother. So what's your father's surname? Uh, Thompson. So it's Thompson. Thompson. Righty, we're back on an even keel. So tell me just quickly, and we'll leave it alone. Do you still have touch? You contact? Do you go back or? Oh, no, look, mate, I don't, because, look, mum and dad are over here, they're in Albury Wodonga, so, uh, you know, funny, you know, you say Myrtleford, uh, Sam, is it like I grew up in Albury Wodonga area for, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and I'm a Myrtleford boy, yeah, we're next door neighbours. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and also, too, I've got to pump my own tyres up, like, but only last week I got uh, inducted into the um, Albury Wodonga Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall of Fame. The three of I you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, mate? The three of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so mate, I was wrapped about that, but look, I love the area. I try to get back there. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Like because it's beautiful. One of the great spots of the world it is there. So, oh, mate, and especially Myrtleford too, mate. That's where I had my, I scored my first goal for uh, a local club, Murray United, oh, when yeah. I first uh, retired from um, Melbourne Victory. So uh, my first goal was in Myrtleford. Right, okay, let's talk about the real Archie Thompson. Oh, not the real Archie Thompson, but the one that we know from a public perspective when you became the superstar of the uh, the footballing landscape, as they call it now. Uh, victory, how did you find your way to victory? Well, look, mate, that was another one. I, it was overseas at the time, and, um, you know, I was having probably one of the better years that I had uh, in Belgium. And then, uh, well, you can, know... Can I just stop you there? How did you find your way overseas? I know you played in Belgium and Holland. Why'd you go over there yeah. first? How'd you get there first? Well, I um, I'm, was playing here in Melbourne in the old NFL. At Heidelberg. Team court. 
yeah, called um, Carlton Football Club. That's um, right. A Carlton Soccer Club. But, you know, they were affiliated with the Carlton Football Club. And then uh, they defunct and uh, went into liquidation, all that administration, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I went to Sydney Marconi where Eddie Krenchevich was uh, Eddie, coaching. Yeah. And, yeah, and, um, you know, a great friend of mine. And he was the one that moved me from um, sort of the Gippsland area to Melbourne. Uh, so then he brought me over to Marconi and then uh, my manager said, look, I've got an opportunity for you to go over to Belgium. So I went and trialled for a team there and um, you know, didn't have the best of trials, And then, but there was another team that was watching and they said, look, uh, we'd love to um, have you over and, and play for our club. So within 24 hours, I'd signed a four-year deal and went over to Belgium and um, and that's where it sort of started. And, and then... Um, my ex-partner at that time was pregnant with our second child and um so and, and man being overseas and being away from family and that's a tougher thing that um a lot of people a lot of players professional players and people outside of football don't understand is that going over there and um it's fair enough trying to adapt to the culture but then when you've got family and um it makes it even difficult because you want them to have a connection with your own family back home so when um when I think it was Gary Cole and Ernie Merrick called me up and said, look, there's a, a new league, a new club. I was a bit reluctant because I'd already seen how the NSL kind of went and it was, you know, it was a bit disastrous towards the end there. And, and they just said, look, it's a great opportunity. And I thought it was a step backwards, but, mate, it was a step back, but then it was like a whole step forward. Big leap forward, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know what, it was, I think because... Um, I went back, it was something fresh, it was exciting for yeah. football fans and they really jumped on and because and, and everyone sort of loved the, the way that I played, I, I always had, had a laugh and I was always someone that was approachable. So a lot of a lot of the pe- players that were still playing in Europe and, and having amazing careers, I sort of decided to go back. And But it's funny, it's it's like I almost became a household name um, because, of, because of the A-League. And then, Dude. you know, some of these people that had great careers big clubs over in Europe came back and sort of was 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 lost yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of kept my name there and I think it's helped me um, go on into the media uh, you know have other opportunities which are, uh, were amazing and I, and I, I owe it all to the A-League and I, and yeah. I owe it all to probably uh, Gary Cole and Ernie Merrick that gave me the opportunity Yeah you became a big fish in your own pond just tell me quickly Arch uh, just to get it into perspective if you don't mind, what sort of money were you getting over, say, in that period over in Belgium? What well, sort mate, of co- look, to be, look to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't like fantastic. No, but we, the reason I the reason I ask you, it was like an opportunity to be in Europe and, and play, and, and and you know the idea was to do well there, and then. But Archie, um, sorry for interrupting you. The reason I ask you, you hear these unbelievable figures about transfer fees and what players are earning in Europe, multi millions of dollars. And I know that we're nowhere near in that league in Australia, but just roughly, what sort of money did you get in that those in those days to go to Europe or be in Europe? Well, mate, mate, to be honest, it was peanuts. <laughs> like I was probably getting paid more here um, than I was there. Right. But uh, and yeah, and, and like, and this is the kind of perception that people get. Do you have a figure? Too, do you have a figure, you, Archie? As soon as you get into Europe, Archie, do you have a figure on what you're getting? Oh, you, mate, you, you want to know, do you? Well, you don't have <laughs> to. Know, look, no, look, Sammy, I, I, I honestly, I can't even remember. I reckon it would have been about um, probably 
what, 100,000 100, euros? What's that? A couple hundred bucks, a couple hundred grand. Enough for your month. You spend that in a month, you do. Something like that. Wouldn't pay for your wine wheel. (laughs) 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 No. No. So, look, uh, I I, I came back here. I I started earning a bit more than what I was there. But what people think that as soon as you go to Europe, you're making all these millions of dollars. It's not like that. You're only going to get that sort of money if you're going to the English Premier League, sometimes even in the Spanish League, and or maybe even in Serie A. But it's not like... I certainly wasn't making money like Harry Kuehl, yeah. Mark Leduc, or all these guys, Timmy Cale. Um, and look, even at some stage when I was in Europe, uh, the club was struggling to pay wages. So it, sometimes it was a battle over there. We didn't, we didn't even get paid for sometimes two, three months. And I'll tell you what, it's difficult being over in Europe when you've got no family, no support, um, and you're not getting any money and try to survive. And, you know, if, you, if, you get, if it's happening here in Australia, at least you can kind of be around family and, and you know, and that's where it helps. But, mate, it was a bit of a struggle because uh, our club was, um, you know, struggling with uh, finding owners. What about the language? You know, Can you speak the language? What about the language? Do you speak the language, Flemish? Oh, no, no, mate. Shit, sorry. I was just, uh, <laughs> mate, I was, I'm, I'm lucky to speak English myself. I couldn't even bloody, you know, struggle to, 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 uh, to speak, uh, you know, Flemish and French, but they, they were pretty good. Like, most of them spoke English, so it was, I, I kind of gave up on, on school. I, mate, I, you, I was lucky to get, you to get me into school here in Australia. I mean, in my 20s, I wasn't going to bloody go to any Flemish class, and I was bloody hopeless, but... Um, but it, but it was uh, yeah it was a great experience I loved it it, it taught me a lot about um, myself and and uh, also too it's like a, a doggy dog world there like there's people coming from every place in the world for a better life to support their families and uh, every time you went out on a tri- training pitch it wasn't anything like being here in Australia where it's like you know oh you know what bad bad luck next game bad luck it was do or die there and 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 like like I said they were, they were trying for a better life. Um, so it was always it a was better always existence tough, yeah. and Survival. I learned a lot. Now, Ernie uh, Merricks was our guest last week, and he asked <laughs> us to ask you what size book it would be if we ever wrote a book called Archie Thompson and My My Career in Defence. <laughs> I tell you what, it'd be a kids' book, and it'd probably only be about four pages. <laughs> but that was the beauty of Ernie. He just sort of said to me, he "Goes Archie, look, you know, um, maybe don't get back and." and uh, well, this is what I was hearing from him. What he, if it was actually what he was saying? Probably was two different stories. But uh, he just sort of said, "Look, Archie, just do what you do up there," and uh, he, he, and he gave me the freedom. And I think that's why I really enjoyed my football because, uh, you know, I was I was probably one of those players that wasn't really coachable. You know, I, I had an ego back then. I, it was hard for me to kind of, um, you know, maybe listen to coaches and, 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 and players because I, I almost had that big fish, small pond mentality when I came back to Australia. And it took me a little while to kind of... Um, maybe get, the, get that out of my play, become more of a team player. And when I did... I, I, I was able to be more successful in winning things because, you know, I had the individual stuff that I could really do, but then I could fall back on, on the team stuff. But uh, going back to the question of that defensive 
book and how long it would be. To be fair, it would probably only be one page. But I loved Ernie. I, I really enjoyed Ernie. Ernie was a real um, coach that was really strong on family, family, that you is. know, on family. And um, I think once Melbourne Victory started having more success and, and then it became more of a business than a family identity, um, that's where a lot was lost for me. And, uh, you know, Ernie, and as soon as Ernie left, um, that was lost. But uh, a fantastic guy, fantastic coach. And look, I probably wouldn't have had the career uh, I did without his help. 50-plus games for Australia. Uh, run through some of the coaches there. Oh, mate, well, look, it's been amazing. Like, uh, I've had Frank Arrock. Um, oh, no, sorry, he wasn't part of the national team. Um, uh, Frank Farina, I was going to say. Frank Farina was someone that I looked up to when I was playing and to have him as coach. And, and that was a time where there was a lot of big, big players there, like, you know, Paul Oak on, um, Zelich, Harry Kuehl, like, these are, Mark Paduka, um, Steve Horvath, like, a member of Durakovic, Bosnich, like these guys were unbelievable. And you know, for a young fella coming into that, you get, it's easy to get overhauled. And um, so that's probably why it took me a little while to get in there. But you know, as soon as who's uh, hitting came, uh, that was for me a, like a, a lifeline into the national team because he, he said, "I don't care about who you are, where you're playing, um, you know, what you've done in your career." this is what I want you to do. And if you're not going to do it, I'll get someone that does want to do it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's for me was perfect because it gave everyone a clean slate. Um, no one that came into the national team thought that, okay, this is my spot and uh, I don't really have to work hard for it. And, and it, it changed the whole mentality of the, of, uh, the, the Socceroos. And, um, you know, I was part of that. And that's how I kind of started to become uh, more, of a, more of a team player. And, you know, whenever there was a game or a camp, I was always going to be in the squad. Um, so, man, he was someone that was amazing. Then, you know, um, oh, God, I don't, I don't even know who else was in there. Like Graham Arnold, uh, uh, Holger Rossick. Like, they're, they're, they're amazing guys. You learn so much from everyone. Now, Archie, uh, just getting back to Ernie Merrick. Ernie Merrick specifically said, I said to Archie Thompson, Archie, we're not going to have the ball all the time, which means we're going to attack. There will be an occasion every now and again when the opposition have the ball and there's a need to defend. Now, Archie, these are some of the principles involved in defence. By the time he got the last breath out, he took the last breath to get the last couple of words out, he said, you're in your car on the West Bank, on the Westgate Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> they were his exact words, Archie. You just turned around, snubbed him, pissed off of you on the, and waved to them on the Westgate Bridge. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, mate, yeah, well, look. Um, yeah, no, look, that's, that's what he said. True. He said, I couldn't get through to Archie with defence. He said, that's not my go, boss. I get the ball, I dribble, I put him in a catatonic state and I get the ball at the end of the net. Or That's my job. Tell the, tell the, he said, tell the Utes and all the other, all the other, uh, all the other uh, hard hat workers to do the defensive work. I do all the tricky stuff up front. <laughs> oh, mate, that's cool. Like, I tell this story amazingly because, you know, this is where the bloody uh, big fish, small pond ego came into it. I I remember those words, like, because uh, I used to have a, um, 
a WRX and I bloody had the big exhaust and the and I chipped it so it sounded unbelievable. So we were we were we were we were training and then I just this training was shit out. Like I, I you know I I. If in my defence, I expect high standards when it's training. Like I, I love it when it's when it's fast, it's hard. Everyone's, you know. But when it stops starting and, and it takes time and the quality's not there, it pisses me off. So I just uh, I remember going into the change room mid training session and then uh, and then I got on my phone and then the coach came in. I think it might have been even um, Gary Cole or Aaron Healy, and they said, Archie, what are you doing? I said, I'm on my phone. And I said, mate, we're, we're training out there. And I'm like, okay. And then, then they went out. I got showered, got in my clothes while I was still training. And then you could hear this WRX SDI going over the west gate. And the boys were like, oh, there goes Archie again on his bloody uh, you know, princess. Now, Archie, um, <laughs> Archie, just a quick one. That WRX you're talking about with the twin exactors and the sawn off what a head. That's after you had the two kids, wasn't it? You had the two kids with you then? Uh, was that no, part of the education, time. was it? That they got our WRXs too? Yeah, mate, I did. I put the child seat in the back with that thing. And, uh, <laughs> my boy loved it. And, uh, he, could all, he, he could hear me coming home bloody 10 minutes away. So that's, I couldn't get away with anything. So when, when I was going over to Westgate when they were mid-training, oh, God. You should have put a muffler on. About it today. <laughs> I'll be the mug to ask you, what is a WRX? Oh. oh, the the WRX is Subaru. Subaru, oh, Subaru, right? Yeah, Subaru WRX. Yeah, the, the Chinese right. love the, the Chinese the, love them, don't they? Rally car. Oh. The rally car, yeah. yeah. The rally car. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got the, they lowered them, and you, you have a lowered twin extractors, <laughs> shaved, shaved off head, overhead cams. Oh. Uh. Now tell me something else. In the middle, you have the rear vision mirror. Do you have a little tiger pom pom or something blowing? Or the dice around there, did you? Mate, <laughs> uh, um, I wasn't that much of a Gino, but I, I bloody, uh, I, I did, uh, I, that was probably still one of my favourite cars. Like, uh, you know, it was it was one of those ones where it felt so good to just slip it from second to third and third to fourth. Like, I lost my licence a couple of times with that car. Oh, no, like, you're joking. Why'd you lose your licence for? Oh, well, when you're in WRX, you said for speedy, bro. For speedy, I remember when I was uh, late for a, late for a game, I come onto the freeway doing about 180, and then I and then I was I was sort of I was it was towards a game because I was running a little bit late, and then uh, I saw this like it was a car behind me um, keeping up with me. It was unmarked, and I'm like. Oh, I'm, this guy wants a bit of a, a bit of a challenge, does he? So I started <laughs> darting in and out, and uh, then he pulled me over, and it was a cop. I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I, and I just said that, "Oh, look, mate, there was a fan that's been harassing me and following me everywhere I go. I thought that you, that was you, and that's why I kept uh, avoiding it, yeah. in and out traffic." Um, it didn't help. I still got a fine and lost a whole heap of points, and I think I even lost my license. But you know, I love that car, Archie. I've never done this. I've got an insight for you. I remember filming a video with you in 2008 and that Subaru, you had a smashed window and you had it parked in the training centre and you just went out to grab something out of your car and you hadn't even fixed your window. There was glass all over the side seat. Yeah, that's right. Actually, yes. I, I just remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, I think someone tried to break into my car. Did they find him? Mate, there's nothing in it. Don't worry. There's nothing. <laughs> I, I can see a movie coming out of this. Oh. And a sequel, too. 
Oh, look, mate, to be honest, I'm, 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 it's PG compared to what Sammy's life was, but like you say, you, you, you know, you, t- you say about, uh, you sell it, say about, um, you know, the real Archie, uh, I'll probably have to save for another time slot, but yeah, this is. Uh, no, that's okay. I'm pretty. Blessed. But the, funny, the, the funniest thing was, I said, "Did that happen this morning?" You said, "Nah, about a week ago, mate." <laughs> <laughs> but actually, yeah, let's yeah, focus. Probably, uh, not really responsible in that way, mate. I just probably didn't keep anything in the car that was valuable. That was valued. Until yeah. The window got fixed. Where was your wife and kids? Oh, home, of course. Uh, now, Archie, talk about the real Archie Thompson. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the side not too many people really understand. But you do go to correctional centres. You're an ambassador for the victory. Yeah. You go to correctional centres where you try to impart some great knowledge on the youth to take the right, take the road least travelled or the road most travelled, whatever the case may be. So you do a lot of good community work as well. Yeah, mate. Look, uh, I think it's important. Like, um, uh, really, what, what I think what life is is that, like you obviously deal with your own shit. And try to try to work through whatever your troubles are, and once you sort of figure all that out, the next thing to do is to try to help the the the, the next person. And um, you know, it's a slow process. I'm still learning a lot about myself. But when I see these poor kids in these correctional centres and um, seeing the sort of life that they were handed and what they've had to deal with, um, it's hard because, um, like I said, I, I was I was pretty blessed with with my upbringing. And look, I got myself into trouble a little bit. I um, I, there's a long story to how also too I became a professional footballer. It was when I was with my mum and she, we were walking into court, and um, <laughs> I, and I seen how upset she was, and she was like, I said to my mum, I said, look, um, you're not going to see me in this place again. I'm going to um, make you guys proud. I'm going to be a professional footballer. That, that's where I'm, I'm going to um, win you win your trust back, and and uh, and that's how my path went. And uh, these poor boys and and girls haven't had that opportunity, so wherever you can kind of maybe instill a bit of hope and belief um, in these people, like, you know, in these poor kids, then that's what I'm all about. I mean, that's why I think people relate to me so much is that, to be fair, man, I'm like everyone else. I mean, the only thing is that they got enjoyment from me kicking this level ball about. But the, the, the fact of life is that I'm exactly like you. I go through the hardships like you and um, yep. we're all the same. We're all connected. So wherever I can help, I help and um, and even with myself it's like you know I, there's a lot of shit that I still need to work on and starting to have realizations about um, the things that haven't really served me and I want to want to help myself but help others and and the the world the, the, the circles I'm walking in now it's um, it's amazing because uh, there's a lot of people out there that have gone through the same stuff and um, they're helping me I'm helping them and like I said if we can help these kids start to maybe go on a better path that's that's where the love needs to be put. Yeah, and sports a wonderful catalyst to do all that for. Oh, and just finally, for me, uh, Arch, uh, the Australia, the landscape of Australian soccer. See, I remember soccer. Very, I used to go to a lot of games when it was just a tribal content. You know, the very ethnic game, uh, mm. Heidelberg. You know, suburb against suburb, and the ethnicity was still there. But since the advent of the uh, A League, it's been developing and developing. How do you see Australian soccer in the broader context? Where does it sit on the international stage? Well, look, um, we're, we're a little bit off. And uh, look, uh, for me, Sammy, it's like I love football and I try not to get into the politics of everything. I, tr- I just try to go in there and, and, and enjoy what I do and, and enjoy what I like to see. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of talk about football not being fantastic at the moment because, um, you know, the quality of player, the infrastructure that we have at grassroots football. 
there's there's so many things that just maybe needed to be need to be changed a little bit. But look, uh, coming out of COVID and and knowing grassroots football where it is now, there's a real excitement for for a lot of these players or, or clubs at the lower levels. Is that we're thinking about having another division where, like, it's not just dependent on the A League. We've got a B League. We've got a like, you know. So we're we're hoping that we can have tiers of football that give maybe local clubs a, a bit more of something to play for, and also gives the A League clubs to you know pull their fingers out and work even harder in the community. So look, uh, there's so many positives. I think we're seeing a lot of the youngsters coming through that maybe wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. Um, because of this COVID period, because now we're not being able to bring a lot of these overseas players, now we can look in our backyard. I tell you what, there's some bloody great young players. Like there's this young boy, uh, I can't think of his name now because I'm shit at names, but he's 16 years old and he's scoring goals and like uh, the Toure boys. And these are stories about like, um, you start hearing stories about their hardship. These are African boys that have been, you know, from camps that have come here and, and this is their lifeline and what is, what Australian football is giving to them. So there's, look, there's still a lot to be had and, and uh, I know it's a bit of a, a period at the moment, but like anything, life ebbs and flows and we're, we're going to get back on track. And the, the most important thing is that, you know, football is back and everyone loves it and gives kids uh, some hope in maybe being a professional football if that's the path they want to go. Archie Thompson, our, uh, our guest today on Sport and Life. And Archie, uh, final question. Why do you support Melbourne Football Club in the AFL? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's another story. Well, I was over, mate. I was like one of these um, football fans that used to just jump on any team that was doing well. So, I mean, I was with the, uh, I was with Essendon. For, that was probably my first football club was Essendon, where I was a kid, and um, like you know the Danahers, Thompson, all, all these guys, and I, I would cry when they lost. Like I would cry, and then uh, I don't know what happened. I kind of went over to Geelong when it was Couch, Billy Browlers, um, all these boys. Archie, were, and, Archie, and they were winning. Archie, you don't tell me I've wasted half an hour with you talking about loyalty and compassion, <laughs> and you've changed three clubs in five minutes. I'm pissed off now, not you. <laughs> well, this is even better. When I was overseas, I. I my, my brother-in-law and my brother were Mad D supporters and I, I kind of lost the, what was going on in the AFL and they said, oh, look, uh, you know, when you come back, jump on Melbourne. Um, but this is one thing I will say is I stuck with them and I stuck with them through all the shit. <laughs> it might be for long, but I stuck with them. <laughs> And now, mate, now I'm bloody, I'm reaping the rewards of it. Now I'm like, uh, I'm going to functions, I'm getting some, um, you know, some stuff from the demons. Like, mate, I'm loving life. So, that's my team. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere else. Well, if you promise me that, I'm going to give you a sip of what Leon and I are having at the moment. One of the great Shirazes of of the world, one of the Mitchelton Prince. You heard of Jerry Ryan and Mitchelton Winery down at Nagambi? Yeah, no, I haven't heard of them, no. Well, let me tell you, it's one of the great wines of the world, Mitchelton. We're going to give yep. you a couple of bottles when I see you. And uh, if you, if you ever get a chance, you're strolling past that WRX and you're only out of fuel in front of Dan Murphy's, <laughs> drop in there and get a couple of bottles of Mitchelton, all right? Yeah, and put it in the tank. <laughs> And, oh, and I got your North Melbourne membership for next year, all right? 
Actually, probably that's probably one team I won't go, mate. Ash, it's been a great pleasure having oh. you on Sport and Life. Um, we didn't touch the. Um, the 2006 World Cup. We didn't touch FINA Federation Cup. Oh, we'll get we him didn't back touch next year. The, the Asian Games, the, the 2008 Olympics. We didn't even get there, so we'll have to get you back. We might do him again we'll next week. Yeah, we'll get him back next year, and we'll see what AFL team I'm like. I reckon I'll stick with these again this year. I reckon they're goodie. Archie Thompson joining us on Sport and Life.